Thanks for downloading. This is episode 99 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. And we are back. Episode 99 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast for Thursday, September 18th, 2014. I am your host, Dan Skullcrusher, and intro and outro music today by the legends themselves, the Ramones. Uh, check out our side blog, episode show notes receptacle, speedmetalcycling.com. Name that cyclist project is there as well. Info at speedmetalcycling.com is the email address if you want to complain or praise us or me or whatever you want to do. Links for Instagram and Facebook and all that other stuff are available in the site. Like I said, speedmetalcycling.com. We're going to welcome my brother Klaus from Cycling Inquisition. Brother, you just came back from Canada, spelled C-A-N-D-U-H. Uh, welcome back and thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. And Mike Spriggs, all the way from the uh, from the beautiful island of Manhattan. Mike, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Really busy. But uh, if there's weird noises going on in the background, it's my dog is here in the room with me, and he makes weird noises sometimes. So explain that okay so let's get um started with i guess w- what we were just talking about before we started recording nude ki- kit gate you know i have a friend that i used to work with in the soccer world who was in charge of uh referees he's still actually working within the c- cycling uh, cycling listen to me to the, within the soccer industry here in the united states and he is uh, in charge of referees, international referees, U.S. referees for international matches and all kinds of things. So he's Mr. Referee Man. He was never a referee himself, but that's what he does. And there's a YouTube video of a referee. Uh, they, they put music to a referee moving around like a he waltz. He dances around. And he danced the dancing referee. It got around quite a bit. His complaint was this, like three or four times a year. Somebody would send him that video like, hey, dude, we just saw this and we thought about you. And he would just hey, hated that video. And I think the worst part about Nude Kit Gate is the fact that every single person I know has sent me that, thinking that I haven't seen it a thousand million times already. And it's been posted on my Facebook wall. And I'm just like, dude, this is so like four days ago. Please stop. So anyway, in case people haven't seen it, uh, a Colombian women's team uh, in Italy showed up to the team presentation wearing what they thought was just their regular kit. It ends up being that it looks like they're basically not wearing any pants. And uh, so it became like it's it's a huge story. So I'll let Klaus take it on from here since he seems to be the expert. I don't know about the expert, but I can tell you to give you an idea of the size of the story, the BBC website had more people visit that story uh, on Monday than they did any news story about the vote for Scottish independence. No way. Yeah. Seriously? Yes. Wow. Do you think it's because the Scots, like, like people are getting their news about Scotland elsewhere? Not from the BBC? I don't know, but I mean, considering everything else that's going on in the world, that gives you an idea that uh, uh, the, 
I mean, the Telegraph, the Times, BBC, Gawker, New York Times, NPR. It was bigger in the UK than there was in the US, but I think based on the reach that it got, it would probably rival, if it was based on one or two days, the amount of, I think, interest that like Lance Armstrong news got. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's probably the biggest cycling news story of the year. Now, of course, not within the world of cycling, but yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And uh, so it ran in the BBC uh, uh, World Service. So I was, I was interviewed for that on Monday, and then I did another interview with them today. And I was able to speak with the writer and designer yesterday. I did an interview with her. Okay, so here's the situation. I would normally say, like, oh, go to our website and look at the photo, but I refuse to repost that photo because it's just ridiculous. So, and the reason that I said that Klaus was an expert is because, like he just said, the BBC and the world media has basically reached out to my brother, who apparently seems to be an expert on naked ladies. But what I keep telling people is they're getting the wrong brother because when it comes to naked ladies, I'm way, way, way more knowledgeable. The thing is they're, they're not la- naked ladies. I know. They look like they're naked ladies. So you have an Let interview. Me, let me ask you guys a question. When you saw this photo, did you recognize the kid right away or did you laugh and then you were like, oh shit, it's Colombians. We're screwed. I uh, knew right away. They, well, I... I it was presented to me as like, look at these Colombians and look what they did. So um, it, it's it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate what happened. And it kind of, I take it personally just because it's a Colombian team. So it just kind of bothers me that people thought that these girls were trying to pull a fast one on us. Like who, what, what woman did you know would be like, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if I wear something well, so that people think that I'm naked? See, I think the overwhelming thought was actually not that they were doing that, but that rather some kind of team director had forced them to wear that as a publicity stunt. Oh. I think that was kind of the, the overwhelming uh, opinion. Right. Of course, and, it's and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know you're not going to post it, but if people for, somehow haven't seen it, it's you know presented in small size, or I would guess if you tried to print it in a print publication – you can't tell that like yeah. one of the one of the groups BBC or someone one of the news organizations actually blacked it out. Yeah, BBC. Yeah, BBC. the BBC censored it. I mean, which gives you an idea, you know. I mean, and so the crazy thing is they had now been racing on it since like February both in Colombia and abroad. And then yeah, I mean, in speaking to her you realize, I mean, I think she's trying to be really resilient and kind of fight her way through this, but it's probably been a very difficult thing. I mean, she designed it in her own words in in order to try to be helpful to her teammates and to the team. So and the color is the color of one of the primary sponsors of the team. It just happens to be like skin color. It's gold. It's ochre. And in the other pictures, you can see it better. So it's basically like, like remember Futon Servetto when they had their hideous kit that if it, if, if it was in the right light, it looked like they were naked too, you know? So Right, and they were never investigated. What was the, what was the girl's name? What is the woman's Angie name? Angie Tatiana Rojas. Tatiana Rojas. Okay. Angie Tatiana. 
Angie Tatiana. Angie Tatiana Rojas. Okay, well, yeah, I feel... she's, she's a journalist. She writes from time to time for Mundo Ciclístico. So her degree is in journalism and communications. She's actually served as a press officer for the Bogota uh, League, like cycling league, I believe. So I think she's getting sort of a crash course on how these things operate in the news cycle when something gets this far out of hand. So what's, what's the lemonade from all these lemons? Well, I spoke with a press officer for the team today, and she actually said the same thing to me yesterday, which is that they're already looking forward to next year and looking to see if any good can come of this. She She's personally really sad by the fact that this is what it takes for women cycling to get any kind of news coverage. But, you know, they are the really about the only Colombian women's team that competes outside of Colombia and at that level. So they're hoping that if anything good comes from it, maybe, you know, more attention to the team and maybe they can get sponsors. I mean, I wasn't going to bring up, well, what's the kid going to look like next year? Because <laughs> I really think like the, the, the women in particular have just been beaten down and they say that they're stronger as a team and that they were fine before they're better now, but you know, they raced in Mexico, they did Argentina, El Salvador, Venezuela, and this was their second time in Italy this year. So they're really the only women's cycling team from Colombia that's racing outside of Colombia. So they're looking to do something really, really big. By the way, in Really looking into the story, I realized that the Giro Toscana was the race that last year uh, Voss and a bunch of the other riders, actually like more than half, three-fourths of the peloton quit. Why? Because, Safety? Yeah, they were racing in open roads. Oh, that's good. That's with nice. a police escort and only lead group, so any group, pedo or anyone, you were riding through traffic and like stoplights yeah it's it's uh, like you said it's really really sad that this is what it takes for women's cycling to be but I, it reminds me of what Seb Blatter asshole president of FIFA once said that if we, the reason women's soccer wasn't more popular is because women didn't wear sexy outfits when they so I wonder if yeah, you looked not, at this and I was like damn it cycling bot beat me to it it's just it's interesting when you realize that this is a big news story at this race this year And that last year, three-fourths of the peloton quit the race because of safety issues. And the reason why they quit ultimately was because when they brought it up to the race director, the race director said, if you don't like it, leave. And so they did. And so the race got kicked down one notch or two in the UCI sort of uh, race yeah. ranking as a result because it was, I mean, the account of how the organizer dealt with it and just said, if you don't like it, just leave. So, you know, I think it's it's kind of telling. And also, I mean, the uh, popularity of the story clearly says more about the, the appetite for salacious stories well, yeah. than it does for the, you know, rather the innocence of, of a writer trying to do her best to design a kid and making, you know, I guess what you could call a mistake. But in the grand scheme of things, it's hey, not as gigantic as I've, it was made out to be. I've been there. I worked for a company for a... Uh entertainment company and I designed a t-shirt and once it got printed and it was on the internet somebody thought that there was something that looked like a penis so it became so big that not my boss not my boss's boss but the head of the company came down to my desk and asked me if I had done that on purpose it's horrible I had nothing to do with it of course but 
So, in order to, like, basically maybe wrap this up, let me tell you that Shelley Olds Evans was actually the girl that ended up uh, winning. Yeah, American. An American, yes. And I, you know, I, I when, when referring to women's sports, I usually call the, the sports people women, or girls, rather, and I call cyclists dudes. I don't mean girl in a derogatory way at all. I know that some women don't like that. I'm not saying they're little girls. I'm saying I just call them girls because woman sounds weird. But uh, you could call cyclists little tiny dudes. Well, they are actually most. They're of them. little, actually little boys. You know, in in Montreal, I saw Phil Gaiman, who I know found now found out is actually Gaiman, but he is a tiny little dude. You should have asked him how to say his name on the iPhone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was told that it's Gaiman, but even though he's a little tall, man, there are some dudes that you see them in person and you forget really how small they are. In the same way that you forget how Ryder Hishadal looks a little bit like a praying mantis. Not a little bit, a lot like a praying mantis. Like, his posture is frighteningly bad. Uh, And Shelly Olds uh, Evans actually rides for the LA Cipollini team. Just thought I would throw that in there. So, yeah, that's that with Nude Kitgate. And I hope that this is the last time we hear about this because it's a kind of a, a, a little bit of a bummer of a story if you really think about it. And what Klaus said is true. This is getting so much press and, it, you know, being the, the cycling story of the year and incredibly that it's actually uh, – oh, my dog is being absolutely nuts. He's running around in circles in the room right now. Anyway, um, that it, more people are paying attention to this than the Scottish election thing for for, for them seceding, and that uh, ah. or that Jens Voigt just put just have, has the world record. I know. Give me a second. I'm gonna discipline my dog. Hold on. Hey, Klaus. Do you guys do you guys know what the ground zero is for that photo? Like where for it came that from? photo? Yeah, like who. By the oh, time I saw it, it had, been, it had already made it through every single person I follow. Someone tracked it, but I think it was someone from the team, perhaps. Okay, sorry about that. It was the presentation, and it was tweeted after the prologue. The race used to be like four days, and now I think it's two stages and a prologue. So it was the team presentation before the prologue, but I don't know who tweeted it first. Yeah. Daniel, I was just asking about to be new. Where the photo got got started, like what, what sent it on its way and made it go viral. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, um, Tour of Britain. I don't Did you guys watch any of the Tour of Britain? No. I watched some of it. I didn't watch any of it, but uh, Dylan Van Barle, Van Barle won it and uh, from Garmin Sharp. Mikkel Kiatowski from Omega Pharma Quickstep was second and Bradley Wiggins was third. So let me ask you this question. Even if you just saw a little bit of it, Mike, did you think that Bradley Wiggins would have won the Vuelta? Nope. Really? Are you serious? <laughs> you, you? Mike? Yeah, do you hear me? I was going to ask you if you thought Wiggins was going to win the Vuelta. Yes, I think I thought, I, th- I thought Bradley Wiggins <laughs> would have won the Vuelta, absolutely. Without that. Mike, I think <laughs> that the not. reason why your internet is slow is that Philip Class is downloading a bit torrent of The Bride of Chucky. <laughs> well, it is Halloween time. He wanted it in Blu-ray start. quality. We're getting, we're getting to the fall, which means actually uh, Klaus's wife has started her uh, movie horror uh, marathon festival. 
Oh, it started like a month ago this yeah, year. I know. So I, I, I think I've said this in the podcast before that my brother is basically married to a dude, even though obviously she's not a dude. She's a very beautiful woman. But she loves horror movies and video games like a dude. Yeah, between that and a, the first-person shooters, I don't know. Yeah. Does she have an opinion on the new Kevin Smith movie? I'm sure she does. She hasn't seen it. Tusk. No, I don't think it's out yet. Is it Dogma 2? No, it's, it's called Tusk. Oh, I wanted it to be Dogma 2. <laughs> the worst movie ever made, part 2. What? With Chris Rock? That was awesome. Um, so what should we talk about next? Uh, Klaus, do you want to talk about your trip and we can talk about Canada or do we want to talk about the hour record? I think the hour record is very timely. It yeah. is very timely. So Jens Void, in case you missed it, in case you, you were, in case it was drowned by nude Kitgate, uh, Jens Void, uh, beat the hour record he did it. He did fifty-one point one one five kilometers. Now this is interesting. He does not have the fastest time. The, I mean, he doesn't have the long, the farthest distance in an hour on a bicycle. That's still Chris Boardman. Tommy Rominger is second and third. Miguel Indurain is fourth. Graham O'Brien is fifth. Chris Boardman is sixth. So basically, in that. If you put it that way, Jens Voigt is actually ninth. Francesco Moser in nineteen eighty four did the, uh, did a longer distance. Yeah, but he was he had a rear wheel that was the size of a Ferris wheel. Yes, exactly. So Jens Voigt actually ha- or Vogt has now the hour record when it comes to a bike that looks like a bike. Yeah, he beat. Did you guys watch any of it, Mike? I did. I watched it. You I'm did so not okay. watch it. What are you talking about? I can't. How can I not watch it? It's on a twelve foot screen at my job. That's what I was gonna say. It was on. You didn't sit yeah. there. You didn't sit there and be like, "Oh my god, look at it! He goes again." Oh, there we he did. goes again. We went one, two, <laughs> three for two hundred. <laughs> it was two hundred and eleven laps, I think. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So a bunch of people was... showed up to watch it. I was kind of, I was kind of amazed. Wow! Nice. I, I... So Chris Boardman couldn't walk for days after his attempt or his last. <laughs> successful go at it mark yeah mark said the same thing so i guess jens is his legs uh i don't know something about them not shutting up something (laughs) anyway just as i thought it would happen of course i knew he was going to do it because like i said that russian dude that got busted for epo later like i barely i don't even i still don't know his name held a record so i knew that jens could do it it's just that now i didn't think he was going to do it I yeah. do not think he's going to do it, but maybe this is going to bring the hour record back into the spotlight because I'm thinking right now I'm Fabian Cancellara. Well, I'm not Fabian Cancellara. I'm Dan Skullcrusher. But if I were Fabian Cancellara right now, I'm sitting around being like, hmm, Jens Ford is not really that good. I'm, I'm, I have a bigger engine. I can. Well, do they're this. in the same team. So I know. Sure. But then Tony Martin would be like, hmm, let me think about this. Thor Hushoft is thinking about his his la- his last race is coming up. He'd be like, hmm, maybe this is a good way to like go out. All these guys, I think Thor Hushoft could beat Jens Voigt. But see, you, I don't know way. No. It's not a time trialist at all. Mm, neither was Jens Voigt. I mean, he was earlier in his career. He won the Criterium International like based on the time, time trial like five times. Yeah. 
So you know what the I best mean, part of it was? What? what? Bobby Julik. Was he there? He was the Eurosport uh, color guy. Oh, that's awesome. Was he hilarious? Yeah, he was he was okay. I mean, it's just good to see him. He's obviously really knowledgeable and he has a decent TV personality. Oh, he does? That's good. I always But I his co- his co-host, the, the Eurosport guy was this guy named Ashley House. Ashley, a dude. Well, so you you went wrong right there already. His parents were just way off. So <laughs> they opened they, op- they opened with him and I'm like, "Who is this guy?" cuz it was Carlton Kirby did the voiceover for like the intro to the thing, and then they cut to this guy, and I'm like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And then the camera swings over, and I'm like, "Bobby Julik, that's awesome." That is was the awesome. other guy. His name he was Ashley House. That's who he is. Yeah. Wait, but I was. You I, had you ever heard of Ashley House? No, no, but that sounds like a realty company. But see, the reality of what's going to happen here is that people that can time trial. We'll try to do it. Bradley Wiggins needs something to do with his spare time, so he'll probably try which is, it. Which is copious nowadays. Right? Can't ch- but he could really also do a superbly good job at it. We'll probably beat it. But then Kenchelar and Tony Martin would be interesting ones to face off. And there, I think there's something else at play, which is that Specialized just realized that Trek got a bunch of press. Yes, uh, like, this is that was like a Trek commercial for the past two weeks. Why Absolutely. If, so why not a specialized commercial? Yeah, so I, th- I think that the, the, the specialized commercial would be good if it is uh, Fabian Cancellara. Oh, no, that's right. He's writing Trek. Mm, that yeah. sucks. Well, if I'm specialized, I try Tony Martin and then who else that writes specialized? Two of them. And then have them do it at the same time going opposite directions. <laughs> No. If I'm Brian Cookson, I'm getting Mario Cipollini to come out of retirement. <laughs> Mario Cipollini on a I was surprised bike. that Brian Cookson was there and commentating because I thought he was uh, he was investigating this Colombian kit. Well, he can he, he's he's like God. He can be in multiple places at at, at the same time. He's like Brad Pitt in Joe, Meet Joe Black. That's true. That's true. You're the only person that has ever seen that movie. You know, I'm the only person. Yeah. That movie is in my top ten movies of all times, probably probably even top five movies of all times. It's an amazing movie. And I'm not no, a lot of people have a lot of people have seen it. It's a great movie. Um oh shoot, you know what? I forgot to collect them. For next episode, episode one hundred, which we have to talk to uh, we have to talk about uh, a little bit still. Um um, the POC things that we were talking about, what POC stood for, I got a whole bunch of them. I just, I, I didn't get time. Oh, to, like, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the Volta España also uh, happened, came and went. Uh, uh, Alberto Contador won it, of course. Christopher Froome was second. Um, Alejandro Valverde was third. Joaquin Rodriguez was fourth. Fabio Aru was fifth. Uh, Sammy Sanchez, sixth. Daniel Martin was seventh. Warren Bargill was eighth. He blew my mind. I never thought that this guy was really this big. I mean, after last year, I knew who he was, but Jesus. Damiano Caruso, quiet man, ninth. And Danny Navarro was tenth. Klaus, your, your um, prediction was Quintana, Froome, Dan Martin. Uh, I mean, you got Froome right in the second spot. That's great. So I got one point. Yeah, and Dan Martin, actually, that's two points. And Dan Martin uh, was seventh. You got him third, so that's another point. So you get three points. Mike, you had Quintana, Horner, Froome. You get one point. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I had well, remind me to tell you guys my Chris Horner story after this is said and done. Uh, I got I had Quintana Rodriguez Contador. I get two points. So anyway, Klaus, tell us a, a fun story about. Oh no, I mean we should talk about the Vuelta because that this. Oh will do- yeah, I mean overall, people, you know, we myself included, we build this up as as the Grand Tour of the season, and they had some great stages, but I think that. Contador was unbeatable, and I wish it would have been a little bit more beatable. Uh, it would have been a little bit better. But that the fight between Valverde Rodriguez and Froome was amazing, with Fabio Aru just like sticking his humongous nose in there. It was it was it was good times. Daniel Martin was great. Warren Bargill, like I said, he blew my mind how well he was riding. I love that he during an interview he said he doesn't like uh, uh, riding at other people's like pace he just creates his own pace and if that means that he's attacking then he's attacking and stuff like that that i really liked so i'm very happy and this might actually be the 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 french guy that french people have been waiting for well jean christophe perot no 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 not jean christophe perot i don't just i think that warren Bargill, because warren is a cool name too like warren, warren buffett warren Beatty. i mean i think the Vuelta had one interesting thing, which was watching Chris Froome with his style of riding, sort of trying to do battle with Alberto Contador and the seeing how those two things pan out and seeing how it is interesting to see Froome just seated, climbing, taking his own time and always pretty much catching back up. But really, without getting into the topic, I mean, seeing Contador win, eh, I don't mind it. Here's my question. I might have brought this up the last podcast, but what what the hell would have happened if uh, Quintana had stayed in the had stayed in the race? Yeah, it would have been amazing. It would have been nuts, right? It would have been absolutely nuts. I really, really, really think so because he was already, you know, a good. He he needed a good forty five seconds to a minute before they got into the big mounds, uh, or or I mean, right around that time, because he was already far behind. He was already a minute ten behind, or something like that. So, no, it would have been it would have been amazing. He would have he, he was he was forced to attack. He would have been forced to attack. So, mm-hmm. it would have been it, yeah. I mean, truly, it would have been great. And what Klaus said is true too. The the Froome yo yo effect was was it kept it interesting, of course. But um, what about the slow fight? Oh, dude, that was awesome! Quack, double quack, it's like that. That was amazing. It was the the quacking quackiest of the quack quacks. That fight, it was amazing. Quack, 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 that they both got thrown out of the race, and I loved how it was done. They didn't even wait for the end of the for the end of the stage. They were like, "Hey, you, get off your bike." Oh, yeah, you. I think I've, I've never seen that. I had never seen that before. I know it's probably happened before. I'm sure, but. Mid race, that's Mid- pretty rough. It was amazing, but they they truly deserved it. That was completely uncalled for and awesome. And I said, the moment that I saw it happening, I was like quack quack and double quack. <laughs> it was amazing. It was really really cool. But Mike, you said that during the hour record, Eurosport had people there. What do you mean? Uh, did they have people at the event in Switzerland? Yeah, Ashley House. So it was. So they were there. So it, yeah, they, yeah, they were, they were in the middle of the track, like with the track. Like, so it don't you like think a commercial? But don't you think that it, it's a lack of respect? The Eurosport doesn't. I mean, obviously, it's a lot more expensive to send somebody to the Vuelta España than it is to send them to Switzerland to just stand there. But 
they send people to the tour. They don't send people to the Giro or the Vuelta. I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's no money in cycling. I should stop complaining, but geez. Oh, it's, it was it was one hour long. <laughs> also, I think Bobby Ulick's ticket was paid for by Trek. Probably. I'm sure the whole thing was probably paid for by Trek. Of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, the size of the logos that they had on the corners of the velodrome, I'm sure. This is so, going to be the, the shortest lived record in the history of records. Yes, probably, because... Specialized needs to do something about this. So, who, who's our money on that Specialized is going to send? I, I, it's probably Tony, Martin. Tony Martin. There's no way that Tony Martin won't step up to this. To do He's going to drool all over that track. They'll have to dry it as he goes <laughs> along with a squeegee. Yep, otherwise he may slip and fall. He's also going to probably bleed all over himself. Oh. As past that. pictures have shown. No. Ugh. Ugh, I hate that photo. Um... Okay, so Klaus, now that we talked about the Welt a little bit, uh, and we talked about, uh, let me see, what else is on my list? The Hour Record, Nude Kid Gates, the Tour of Britain. Uh, tell us about your, your, your travels up to Canada. I was in a hotel lobby in Canada, and I saw Chris Horner leave the hotel and it was very cold and rainy and he came back with a big bag from Quiznos with two with one bag of sun chips and two large bottles of coca-cola hmm. and he and he decided to forego team dinner with all the other teams and just went up to his room and ate a sandwich by himself that guy loves junk food of yeah course. and I have to say like I know it's like, haha, that's like a funny thing. But then when you see it, you're like, it's weird. It's like, it's like watching Led Zeppelin play Stairway to Heaven. Why? <laughs> because that's like the thing that they're known for. And it's really happening right before your eyes. Oh. Who needs two Cokes? Two yeah. Cokes. Maybe he had somebody else in the room with him. Who is roommate? Maybe he had a friend guy that would he's never gonna, eat at Quiznos. He's going to give himself diabetes. I'm, he's going to get diabetes. I. The weird thing was, I'm sure his roommate is like an Italian guy. I can't believe that you didn't like go up to a lamprey official and, and inquire. About what? About the fact about that whether he, or not whether or not there was another person in the room that drank the second Coca Cola. I'm based on the size of the sandwich. I would say he was just on his lonesome, hmm. and he was just gonna <laughs> plow through it. And I'm sure that because this is Montreal, and he couldn't get his hands on like multiple cheeseburgers from McDonald's because there wasn't one around. He had to settle for a toasted Quiznos cheesy oh, sandwich. Quiznos sandwiches are delicious. Oh, good lord! They're barely edible, but for Chris Horner. I'm sure he was like, they were out of Twinkies and cheeseburgers. It now, was just weird, like, oh, yeah, that thing. But listen, Quiznos in Canada. In Canada, they use the metric system. So what, what do they call the 12-inch over there? That's 52 centimeter? <laughs> That's something, yeah. Yeah, can I have a 29.2 centimeter? And well, uh, I can tell you this, his Coke bottles were nearly a liter. They were the 0.8 liter bottles. They were big, and he had two of them. So that was interesting. And then Ted King went by, and he went up to his room with, like, multiple boxes of power bars. 
I just want to know. See, I, 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 all this is. I want to know. Such and such went up to his room with two hot ladies, one on each arm. That no, Ted King only ate maple syrup. I know. I was so let down, and in Canada, no less. Okay, hmm. so you you went up there for uh, for the Montreal Grand Prix, correct? Yes. So, what was the race like? And uh, the hell with the hotel lobby. It's good. It's good. It's a it's a mega crit seven and a half mile uh, circuit. Uh huh. And yeah, it's it's it was really nice. It's insanely cold, or it was insanely cold for the time of year that it is. At least for me, it was like forty two degrees. Oh, the hell with that. And the night before, it was like pouring rain when Chris Horner went out to get his sandwich. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the rage is good. Although, I have to say, I saw something that I have never seen before in my life, which is... Chris Horner eating Quiznos. No. I So, during the race, I did um, heckle Chris Horner. It you? wasn't that much of a heckle. I just said... Why do you love Quiznos? <laughs> and since it's 17 laps, I got to say it maybe eight or nine until I lost track of them and track of him, and then he quit the race because of that. Because of the heckling? Yeah, I think it yeah. was too much. He you was know, like, how I'm trying whole- to answer this guy why I love Quiznos so much, but I, I'm going so fast I can't. I better get off my bike, go find him, and explain to him that Quiznos is mm-mm good. Yeah, like you know how there was the whole thing about people throwing beer at people in Cross Vegas? This was bigger. <laughs> this was everywhere. <laughs> Even though it was just me. And I don't think he heard me once, although I was really trying. Were you the like, only person heckling the race? Yeah, no one else had anything like that specific to really yell out. But the reason why I was able to do that is because this is the slowest I have ever seen a race go. No, you've seen yes. Flanders in the in the hills, like in the climbs. No, but they're going hard. I mean, they're oh, slow. Oh, you mean that this was like nobody was trying? No, no, no. They literally were yawning and talking. We overheard conversations about flooded basements. Someone from Garmin was talking about buying a dryer, washer-dryer set. Someone else in another lap was talking about terrible customer service at a bank. Like, it was so slow that it was crazy. But wouldn't yeah, you, so, if, if you're a rider and you don't want to be in a race, wouldn't you want to go fast so that it's over quicker? Yeah, but the breakaway, they were they let them get 11 minutes. At one point, people, even fairly experienced people, like photographers that, you know, moto guys that go on the motorcycle and get to get off so you know they're big-time dudes – they thought there was a chance that they could lap them. Like it was getting close to them being lapped. Wow. Yeah. So that's when you're like, how are they going to pull this out? And of course. Is it, it, is it worth for somebody in the U.S. to drive up to beautiful Montreal to go see it? I mean, if you live in like New Hampshire or something. I mean, you know, from Pittsburgh, it's not really that far of a drive. And I love Montreal. The city is amazing. And I've been to the Canadian Grand Prix there a couple of times. Um, and I've thought about going up to the... I mean, I would say probably Quebec is better. But the problem is that it's not a circuit. And it's farther up. So 17 laps, you can cross through the... A lot of it is uh, by a, a park that you can walk 
through, like hike through. So, yeah, I mean, you can see it many, many times. It's just, I mean, definitely a lot of guys are phoning it in. For a lot of guys, it was the last race of the season. A couple of people like Yanni Brykovic were clearly looking for a contract and trying to do something. He some- found one. I'm sorry? He found one. Who did he get a contract Yanis with? Yanis Oh, dude. I, wait until we start talking about contracts. I got oh, okay. a whole bunch of things. But, yeah, I mean, a couple heartbreaking things when people the day before are talking and they're saying, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do something. I mean, it was very obvious what they were trying to do, but it just didn't work out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the race is, is very cool. One thing that's missing is that, of course, it's only world, like, world tour teams. Yeah. Aside from the Canadian national team. So those guys are phoning it in. But if you threw like United Healthcare and Jelly Belly or something or Spider Tech, although I guess they don't exist anymore. No, they don't. Those teams would be going crazy. So it's a small peloton because there's no wild cards. Yeah, I didn't think about that actually. Yeah. That's weird. So, I mean, if you want to go see like top level dudes, it's interesting for that. You can tell that they're just kind of bored. All the dudes were wearing like summer weight mesh shorts, so they were all freezing. They were borrowing jackets from like family and like mismatched gloves and stuff. So, you know, it was interesting. By the way, I saw one guy. I'm going to have to mention this somewhere. The Some of the guys from Movistar, their high-vis green shoes were bleached white. What? Yeah, from use. So think oh, about from that. Use. If you're like if you're an amateur and you think that you ride a lot, riddle me this. Could you bleach out in nine months a pair of shoes to almost well, purify on the high vis stuff is notorious fades notoriously fast. But Diodora shoes that fade in nine months, I'm I'm willing to bet the shoes are fading fast. But I'm also willing to bet that dude put in some hours. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. yeah, I'm sure. Okay, since you brought up the uh, Brykovic, it looks like he's going to skydive Dubai. Oh, oh awesome. Dubai. Very true, very true. So, okay, so I have a whole bunch of uh, transfers. Is, An- uh, is Andy Schleck going to be a Swanier at that team? Do you, uh, do you Did you hear about Andy Schleck? Are you bringing, it up, uh, bringing him up for a specific... Yeah, I saw the name of the team. I don't even recognize what that is. Uh, Colt, Ener- Colt Energy. Where is that from? Linus Gerdeman as well. Uh, oh, I, th- really? I think it's Dutch. It's a Dutch team. They, they're continental. They've been continental. They're going pro-continental in 2015. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, here we go. I have Dominique Nertz is leaving BMC. He's going to Team Bora Bora, the Bora Argon 18 team or whatever. NetApp yeah. Endura. Uh, Miguel Angeles Lopez, the Colombian who won the Tour de l'Avenir. Did you hear about this? No. He's going to Astana for two years. Wow. He signed a deal with Astana. This guy is unbelievable. This kid is un- unbelievable. Uh, Theo Boss, I think we talked about this last time, is going to Mount Chewbacca. Lars Baum is going to Astana. Bauke Molema is going to Trek. Luis Leon Sanchez is back on top, back in the first division with Astana. Um, mm. Basso is going to Tinkoff, I think we've talked about that as well. Uh, Damiano Caruso and the Marquis are leaving Cannondale to go to BMC. Uh, Buhani is going to Cofidis, and I 
that was announced a couple of weeks ago, but I still don't understand why he would do that. But whatever. they must have thrown a bucket he, load he, of money. Maybe, but uh, does Coffee have a bucket load of money? And if they, they did, they're going to use they it do. all on him, and yeah. everyone else is making minimum wage. It seems like they, he, if they're going to do that, then just go back up to like the first division. And uh, I know, but the thing is, I see their point. When you're a French team, you get to do like the Dauphiné, the Tour de France. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, I know. And that Europe car tried it one year, two years as well. And uh, yeah, um, where was I? Wout Poles is going to Sky. Pavel Brut Cologne is going to Tinkoff. He's leaving Katusha. Davide Lacruz also back in the first division with Ethics Quickstep. Uh, Garmin, of course, is merging with Cannondale. Uh, they're losing Dennis Rohando. He's going to BMC. Uh, Tyler Farah is going to Mountain Chewbacca. And Nick Nuyens seems to be going to Wanty Group Gobert, which stepped down for him. I'm fascinated by people that wear, win major races and then disappear. Like, nothing really happens. You know, there are clearly like plan B's and they're super talented, like in the Dirk de Mold. Yeah, or um, Stuart O'Grady. Stuart O'Grady, yeah. Clearly, again, thinking. super talented. He won other things, I know, but winning Perry Roubaix is. I mean, he among yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what, what's, what's the name of the other kid that won? And Summer. Yeah. Johan van Sommeren, or whatever. I mean, his thinking. career is made, so good for him. Yeah. Um, these are a lot of rumors that I've heard and read from different places. Uh, Fabio Aru and Nicolas Roche to Sky. Mm. Harrison Pantano, we've talked about this. Harrison Pantano to Trek. Mm-hmm. Martin Chilengi seems to be going to Rompot Orange Cycling, the team that uh, Eric Broeking and uh, Michael Bogard and Jean-Paul Van Poppel are putting together in, in, in Holland. They have a really nice kit, by the way. Uh, it looks like the Dutch national team, basically. But yeah, Ooh. Martin Chilengi. Uh Viviani, maybe, to Sky. Jerome Coppel to I Am Cycling. Damiano Cunego. Okay, I'm going to ask both of you guys this question. If I'm telling you, hey, listen, Cunego has a, has a contract somewhere else. What team would you say, right off the bat, Mike? What would be the first team that you think, like, oh, Cunego could go to... It's going to be Italian. Yeah. Vini. Vini Fantini? What it, whatever yeah, they're called now? it's called now. Almost. Oh. Klaus? Um, the other one. What is it? Androni. What's the... Colnago... Oh, no, no, no. CSF? No, no, no. It's Androni Giacattoli. Oh, Androni. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Linus Gerdeman went from like... Being, I mean, I'm not gonna say he was huge, but I mean, he was riding for Milram, and then he went down like a step, and then he went down to Mount Chewbacca, and now he's going to Cult Energy. <laughs> like he just keeps going down and down and down. And like I said, Andy Schleck is also being rumored to be going there. Yanis Brychevic, uh rumored to go to Sky uh, Skydive Dubai. Sergio Pardilla is supposed to be leaving Mount Chewbacca, but they don't know exactly where he's going to go. I'm guessing he's going to end up in a place like Cajar Rural, in a team like Cajar Rural. Aldemar Reyes, from Team GW in Colombia, is rumored to be talking to BMC. And oh. Joseph Dombrowski may be going to Cannondale. By the way, that is another... Wait, Cannondale is still going to exist? I thought it was ending. Well, it's called Team Cannondale now. Mm. 
By the way, that is another guy in Montreal that when you see him in person, Mamma Mia, he is... Mamma Mia what? He's good looking? He's <laughs> tiny, 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 oh. tiny, tiny, I, I and very say, tall. I only say Mamma Mia when I see a very good looking lady. No, no, no. He wasn't that kind of Mamma Mia. It just, oh. it looks frightening. Um, you know who, uh, uh, who else was, uh, so, uh, what's the guy's name? Ah, uh, geez, American guy from Trek. He was on my flight. That doesn't help. I don't uh, know Matthew Boucher. Oh, Matthew Bush. He's also pretty small in person, but Dabrowski is like skin and bones. It's even among cyclists, he stood out like frighteningly. Where, where were you flying in from? That he was in your flight? No, I was flying out uh, via Newark. Oh, Newark. Okay, and. Uh, Uh, Peter Stetna was there too. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Nice, interesting. Mike, I haven't heard a lot from you today. Tell me a story. Story? I don't know, something. You haven't been talking too much today. I know. I got nothing. You got nothing. Are you going to go over to Peter Glass's house, and to Philip Glass's house <laughs> and watch uh, Bride of Chucky? <laughs> Maybe. When, he, when he's done downloading it? Yeah. For I'm some reason, that to me, that would be like performance art. If I knew Philip Glass, I would make him watch Bride of Chucky for people to watch. Because doesn't uh, Yoko Ono scream at the Museum of Modern Art every once in a while as art? True. That yeah, is true. Yeah, so I, I think that I would be a lot more interested in watching... I, I, I almost said Ira Glass. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to watch Ira Glass watching Bride of Chucky. They're related, you know. They are? Yeah. I did not know that. I think... They might be cousins or that's his uncle. What is the name of the comedian that has that podcast that is really popular? He was in the Howard Stern show recently. Mark Maron? Mark Maron, thank you. So they were talking to Mike Maron about podcasts and stuff. And he said, oh, you know, I'm like, my podcast has like 750,000 listeners or so. And it's like, you know, like number three or four in the comedy ones, whatever. And then Robin was like, wait, uh, you is there like charts for podcasts? And he was like, well, yeah, you know, whatever. But, you know, I mean, in the podcast world, you know, Ira Glass is king. Like nobody can, you know, whatever. And I was like, wait, what? Ira Glass is a podcast? And then I realized, oh, is this American life? Of course. Yeah. He gets so many downloads. Sometimes it's close to 3 million downloads. The more than we get? Uh, not by much. <laughs> not by much. Isn't that outrageous? What if we got Ira Glass to come on in the, in the podcast? We'd, we'd ask him some questions. It's like, uh, Mr. Glass, could you prepare for our time in the podcast by watching Bride of Chucky? <laughs> well, that's why when Ira Glass was on Mark Maron's show, it was like a collision of podcasting. What, he was in, the, he was in, his, in his podcast? I yeah, with that. Artie Lang, too. At the same time? Yeah, they were both guests, and Ira Glass talked about... <laughs> getting belligerently drunk the night before and he didn't remember most of what had happened with Mark Maron. I wonder if somebody who's listening in like England right now even knows remotely who any of these people are. I also suspect a lot of people listening to the United States are going, <laughs> <laughs> Ira Glass, Artie Lang, who the hell are these people? 
Yeah. <laughs> Mark well, Mann. What we could do is we instead of like subtitling, we could just go in and sub in names for different countries so that they'll know who we mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That would be a good idea. Because a lot of times I watch British TV and they make references to like talk show hosts and stuff like that in England. I'm like, I have no idea what yeah, you're talking about. So. Um, anyway. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, anything else on my list? Um, I was just gonna say the worlds, the world championships are, are are coming up. We will probably not have a podcast until after them. So I want to give you guys thirty seconds to do some research and tell me who you think is gonna win. Simon Garrens. Oh, you didn't even need the thirty seconds. Mike. Based on what I saw in Montreal, that dude is. In insane. I don't know what you saw in Montreal, but based on what you've told me that you saw in Montreal, I would have picked Chris, Chris Horn. Horn. Yeah, Mr. Quiznos himself. I don't know, Mike. Who's your favorite for Worlds? Uh, man, I don't know. I if Valverde didn't just kill himself in the Vuelta, he could be a contender. I think. Who? Uh, Valverde. Oh, Valverde. Yeah, I know. He's going to be heading the team, too, because uh, Contador is not going. I don't know. I, I heard a lot about uh, Nibali maybe really really shooting for it. Some people are also talking about Tom Bonin and his beard, but I don't <laughs> think it suits him. Uh, you mean that his beard is going to be world champion? Wouldn't it be awesome if his beard wins and then he has to wear... Basically, he can't shave all year because his beard is going to be wearing the rainbow stripes. And then he hates his own beard. Because he like wishes he was champion, but yeah. he's... I mean, I know he and said. Then, he... And then after that, every year after that, his beard, like on his sideburns, he gets to wear the little rainbow stripes. I'm telling you, it could happen. I know he wants it, but I don't know. I'm just Garen's two races in three days. I know the opposition wasn't exactly amazing either, but people like Rui Costa, Yanni Brajkovic wanted those races, so he looked amazing. Uh, I'm looking at Bet Victor right now, and uh, they have well, they have Omega Pharma Quickstep for the obviously for yeah. the team time trial. They got Christopher Froome, Alberto Contador, and Nairo Quintana. Oh no, wait, this is the outrights for the Tour de France 2015. Oh, oh Jesus! Wow. <laughs> You can start betting on that now. Wow. I guess. I mean, oh, Jesus, you have to be a degenerate. Well, you have to be a moron. You don't know if these people are even going to be alive by then. I know, but at that point, it's like people that bet on the over-under length for the national anthem at the Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> dude. Right now, you can bet on the t- team time trial coming up. And Wanty Group Gobert... Is seven hundred and fifty to one. To I like their odds. I like their odds. I like them odds. <laughs> Orica Green Edge is two to one, and Omega Pharma Quick Step is eleven to uh, ten to eleven. So, you will not make a lot of money if you bet on Omega Pharma Quick Step and they win. Yeah, I'm very surprised that Bet Victor doesn't have the 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 singles world championship. It just has team time trial. But. Um, Okay, so with the World Championships coming up, the three of us being cyclist fans, cycling fans, and also living in the United States of America, the United States of America is going to host the World Championships next year, of course. 
And I think that right now we should promise that the three of us are going to go and record at least us talking at some point during the World Championships. Where? I don't know, in a hotel, I guess, wherever we end up meeting. Okay. <laughs> the stupid world championships have been marked in my calendar for like since since they were announced like three <laughs> years ago. I'm very amped. And then after going to the Cyclocross World Championships in Louisville, it's even it's even I'm even more excited about it. So I can't wait. So I was just thinking that now that everybody's talking about world championships, I, I was thinking that the three of us we make a promise to each other that that's what we're gonna do. And we get tattoos over there. We'll get exactly. We'll no get belly button piercings. <laughs> belly button piercings. Oh yeah, I always thought that that's actually an awesome bet to do with somebody. To get whoever loses has to get their belly button pierced. That would be oh. awesome. And keep it and keep it for six months. Imagine that's that. the tough part. Imagine that. That would be amazing. So what do you say, Mike, Klaus? Maybe we should do this for the for the, for for a race. We bet, and whoever gets the guy that ha that finishes the lowest <laughs> has to pierce their belly button and keep it. No low. way. No way. Nope. Why not? Aren't you what? You're too proud of your abs. You're like, well, my abs look too good right now. I don't want to mess them up. Yeah, exactly. Klaus. Same. Man, you guys. I'll do it. You know what? Just to just to like prove to you guys how lame you are, I'm gonna pierce my belly button without even losing a bet. I'm just gonna do it. Love it. Watch. I think you're doing it wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> I think based on what we anticipated, our top three for the Vuelta, we all would have ended up with multiple piercings. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> the Vuelta and the Tour and the Giro and the Classics. <laughs> we suck at this. Yeah. We are horrible at it. Yeah. I'm glad that none of us, as far as I know, uh, gamble. I mean, I, I gamble a little bit of money in Formula One and soccer once in a while. But, I mean, it's never more than, like, $15, at the, uh, you know. And I never make any money. I usually lose, too. So Clearly. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you guys two teams, and you tell me who has the better odds of winning. Um, team... Katusha or Team Roosevelt? I mean, they're sister teams, so... Katusha has a better chance. You would think so, right? They're 200 to 1, Roosevelt 100 to 1. How is that? There's twice as much chance. Bet Victor tells you that there is twice the amount of... Twice the possibility, twice whatever, that Roosevelt wins than Katusha. Okay, that website is a bunch of... Hooey. Hooey. Lotto Bellisol is 250. Yeah, this is weird. Yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, uh, we let's talk about the 100th episode, which is coming up because this is you're listening to episode 99. So episode 100 is going to be a big celebration, and to celebrate, what we're going to do is we are going. What, Mike, what are we going to do for episode live broadcast? We are going to do a live broadcast. We don't know exactly the date, but it's going to be in mid-October. And in order for you alls to be able to listen to it live, 
we're and and we're gonna try to make it at a time that is convenient for the Americas and also our European fans. Australian listener listeners, you're you know shit out of luck, or you have to get up in the middle of the night to listen to it. Uh, if they're real fans, I think they should do it. We get up at ridiculous times to watch races sometimes. Exactly. When when it's old Wollonga Hill, I'm like up all night. So, Are you kidding me? For old Wollonga Hill, I don't go to sleep. I you just, <laughs> stay yeah. up through the night. Don't I, you, Mike? Yeah. I actually I rent a pickup truck, park it in front of my house, open the tail, and tailgate for it. Of course. I don't even have a pickup truck, but I tailgate for old Wollonga Hill. Yes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's probably gonna be you know afternoon uh, time United States time and in the evening European time. So we are just trying to figure out the date exactly, and we're trying to try to figure out if we are gonna all do it together, if we're gonna do it via Skype as we normally do. Uh, once we figure all that stuff, it'll all be announced on the website speedmetalcycling.com and via Twitter at speedmetalcycle cycl. After we broadcast it live, we're going to have some interaction with, with, with the listeners and whatnot via Twitter and via different things, different social media stuff. Um, <laughs> I just thought of something funny. Hold on. Um, after we do that, then obviously the, the, the show will be recorded and it will be issued. It will come out as a regular podcast episode. But it will be a lot of fun if you guys join us live. And I was thinking about this. Please remind me to say this while we're recording live. I want picture to inst- people to Instagram Photos of themselves listening to the podcast. <laughs> I want to see what people are doing. I don't. No, no, but fully, fully clothed. I just want. I just think it's funny to see what people are like listening and what devices and what the situations are. Are they drinking some beers while they're listening <laughs> to us or something? I like it. I like it too. So we're gonna come up with a hashtag on Twitter so that you can tweet tweet at us. How come it's tweet but it's Twitter? Shouldn't it be twit? Or tweet? I don't know. These newfangled words. Good. Food. Um, that's a Gallagher reference. Anyway. So you have to stay tuned to at Gage DeSoto, at Speed Metal Cycle on Twitter, GageDeSoto.com, CyclingInquisition.com, and SpeedMetalCycling.com. And we'll let you all know what the situation is with the... Live broadcast of episode 100. And I promise you, this is a promise, Mike will talk a lot more on that episode than he did today. I promise. Everybody right now is going like, ah, damn, we're not going to tune in now. (laughs) No. We miss you, Mike. You set me up. Send you a what? You set me up. Oh, I set you up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I set you up. I set you up nice. Um... Also, CCC Polsat has better odds than Europe Car for the for the World Championships Team Time Trial. Just saying. That's the bizarre world bit. I, Victor, I don't think Victor knows cycling, but whatever. Anyway, I don't have anything else, Klaus, anything other than the fact that you're famous now because the BBC calls you for your expertise of naked ladies? You know... What uh, Andy Warhol said about fame is true, and I think I'm about uh, 14 and a half minutes into this. So Yeah, but didn't he say that about real fame, not about like crappy BBC fame? No, he said it's about all levels of fame. Even like doing a high school play qualifies. So 
I'm about at that level, and it's almost up. Oh, okay. Hey, Mike, anything anything that you want to plug? Uh, this weekend is the last weekend of the Richard Sachs House Industry Show at the Rock Club. Everybody Come should on check by. that out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's leaving on Sunday. Can you buy Richard Sachs stuff? Oh, you could. Uh, we do have some water bottles left, but he's got all that stuff. Uh, our house has it on their website, actually. They've got some special limited edition T-shirts and stuff. Nice, nice. Oh. Well, I want to announce that uh, my second book is actually out right now. And um, you can – well, it's it's not out-out. It's actually pre-orders are being taken in uh, Amazon, so you should look it up. It's called Cool Beer Labels. I know the title is terrible, but I didn't pick it. The publisher did. And I am going to be having a bunch of events to promote the book, uh, like uh, like book release parties, uh, all over the United States, as a matter of fact, actually. We're uh, planning one in Connecticut. There's uh, one in New York City in the planning. There's one in Washington, D.C. in the planning. There is one in Roanoke, Virginia in the planning. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. So... Um, stay tuned. I'm probably going to start tweeting about it. And even if you can't make it to one of those events or whatever, check out the book, uh, cool, uh, cool beer labels, book.com is the shindig is the URL. And you can check out, uh, right now on the website, there's a video that, um, uh, Klaus very nicely did for me of me talking about the book in a bar. And I look like a complete douchebag in the video so check it out and mike have you seen it it's awesome i'm gonna look at it right now you should i i sound like such a turd such a douchebag i shouldn't have drank seven beers before we taped it so yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it would be really nice if people can support me by supporting the book the more books you buy the more money i'll make and if anybody out there knows of a place, a city, uh, you, you can maybe host, they can maybe host an event, let me know. Um, all I really basically need is a nice, good bar with good beer, with a PA system, and uh, that's really about it. A place to crash, maybe. And then I'll swing by your city, and I'll sell some books, I'll sign some books, and I'll tell some stories and whatnot. There's a bike ride involved as well. I wouldn't be too angry about that either. So, of course, you know, the Midwest, anything east of the Mississippi is probably easier and better. But um, but I'll be willing to entertain any ideas. I, I have an invitation to go to Dusseldorf and want to go to Tallinn in Estonia to, <laughs> to promote the book. So, yeah, I'm willing to entertain any any offers. All right. We will be back. Episode 100. Really looking forward to uh, to this live broadcast. And who knows, maybe if it's if it turns out good, then we may do other cool events like this and maybe actually have the one that we've been talking about, which is the one uh, of doing it in front of a live audience. Maybe, one of these days. I am Dan Skullcrusher. SpeedMetalCycling.com is the website. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Klaus. You're welcome. We're out of here. Peace. It's good to be back in England. It's good to see all you again. Take it, dude. Bye, Dad.